Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 177. In the last episode, we met King Hezekiah, who brought in many great reforms and revival and worship. And today we continue the story of Hezekiah, and we hear in one sense uh, him go through what could only be called a a test of faith in one sense. And it begs the question, when times are good, it's easy to trust God, but when times are tough, who will you trust? Will you stick with God and will you trust him even when it seems like things are falling apart? And so we read the story from King Hezekiah's life and the people of Israel, and we hear how they, and he in particular, answers that question. We begin today with 2 Kings chapter 18. In the third year of the reign of Israel's king Hosea, son of Elah, Ahaz's son Hezekiah became king over Judah. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what the Lord approved, just as his ancestor David had done. He eliminated the high places, smashed the sacred pillars to bits, and cut down the Asherah pole. He also demolished the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been offering incense to it. It was called Neshushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. In this regard, there was none like him among the kings of Judah, either before or after. He was loyal to the Lord and did not abandon him. He obeyed the commandments that the Lord had given to Moses. The Lord was with him. He succeeded in all his endeavors. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and refused to submit to him. He defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory, from watchtower to fortified city. In the fourth year of King Hezekiah's reign, it was the seventh year of the reign of Israel's King Hosea, son of Elah, King Shalmaneser of Assyria marched up against Samaria and besieged it. After three years, he captured it in the sixth year of Hezekiah's reign, and in the ninth year of King Hosea's reign over Israel, Samaria was captured. The king of Assyria deported the people of Israel to Assyria. He settled them in Halah, along the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. This happened because they did not obey the Lord their God and broke his covenant with them. They did not pay attention to and obey all that Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, King Zennacherib of Assyria marched up against all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. King Hezekiah of Judah sent this message to the king of Assyria, who was at Lachish. I have violated our treaty. If you leave, I will do whatever you demand. So the king of Assyria demanded that King Hezekiah of Judah pay 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Hezekiah gave him all the silver in the Lord's temple and in the treasuries of the royal palace. At that time, King Hezekiah of Judah stripped the metal overlays from the doors of the Lord's temple and from the posts that he had plated and gave them to the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria sent his commanding general, the chief eunuch and chief advisor from Lachish to King Hezekiah in Jerusalem, along with a large army. They went up and arrived at Jerusalem. They went and stood at the conduit of the upper pool, which is located on the road to the field where they wash and dry cloth. 
They summoned the king, so Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace supervisor, accompanied by Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the secretary, went out to meet them. The chief advisor said to them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. What is your source of confidence? Your, your, your claim to have a strategy and military strength is just empty talk. In whom are you trusting that you would dare to rebel against me? Now look, you must be trusting in Egypt, that splintered reed staff. If a man leans for the support on it, it punctures his hand and wounds him. That is what Pharaoh, king of Egypt, does to all who trust in him. Perhaps you will tell me, we are trusting in the Lord our God. But Hezekiah is the one who eliminated his high places and altars and then told the people of Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship at his altar in Jerusalem. Now, make a deal with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses, provided you can find enough riders for them. Certainly, you will not refuse one of my master's minor officials and trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen. Furthermore, it was up by... It was up by the command of the Lord that I marched up against this place to destroy it. The Lord told me, march up against this land and destroy it. Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, Shebna, and Joah said to the chief advisor, Speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Don't speak to us with the Judahite dialect in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But the chief advisor said to them, My master did not send me to speak these words only to your master and to you. His message is also for the men who sit on the wall, for they will eat their own excrement and drink their own urine along with you. The chief advisor then stood there and called out loudly in the Judahite dialect, Listen to the message of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let Hezekiah mislead you, for he is not able to rescue you from my hand. Don't let Hezekiah talk you into trusting in the Lord when he says, The Lord will certainly rescue us. This city will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Don't listen to Hezekiah, for this is what the king of Assyria says. Send me a token of your submission and surrender to me. Then each of you may eat from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own cistern, until I come and take you to a land just like your own a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive oil and honey. Then you will live and not die. Don't trust and listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says, the Lord will rescue us. Have any of the gods of the nations actually rescued his land from the power of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharivim, Hena and Erva? Indeed, did any gods rescue Samaria from my power? Who among all the gods of the lands has rescued their lands from my power? So how can the Lord rescue Jerusalem from my power? The people were silent and did not respond, for the king had ordered, Don't respond to him. Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace supervisor, accompanied by Shebna, the scribe, and Johaz, son of Asaph, the secretary, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and reported to him what the chief advisor had said. When Hezekiah heard it, He tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and went to the Lord's temple. He sent Eliakim, the palace supervisor, Shebna the scribe, and the leading priests clothed in sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. They told him, This is what Hezekiah says. This is a day of distress, insults, and humiliation, as when a baby is ready to leave the birth canal, but the mother lacks the strength to push it through. 
Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all these things the chief advisor has spoken on behalf of his master, the king of Assyria, who sent him to taunt the living God. When the Lord your God hears, perhaps he will punish him for the things he has said. So pray for this remnant that remains. When King Hezekiah's servants came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master this, this is what the Lord has said. Don't be afraid because of the things you have heard, because the Assyrian king's officers have insulted me. Look, I will take control of his mind. He will receive a report and return to his own land. I will cut him down with a sword in his own land. When the chief advisor heard the king of Assyria had departed from Lachish, he left and went to Libna, where the king was campaigning. The king heard that King Terkhaka of Ethiopia was marching out to fight him. He again sent messengers to Hezekiah, ordering them, Tell King Hezekiah of Judah this, Don't let your God in whom you trust mislead you when he says, Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Certainly you have heard how the kings of Assyria have annihilated all lands. Do you really think you will be rescued? Were the nations whom my ancestors destroyed, the nations of Gohas, Arharan, Rezbeh, and the people of Eden in Telassar, rescued by their gods? Where are the king of Hamath and the king and king of Arpad and the kings of Lair, Sarphaim, Hina, and Erva? King Hezekiah took the letter from the messengers and read it. Then Hezekiah went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, saying, Lord God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the sky and the earth. Pay attention, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and observe. Listen to the message Sennacherib sent and how he taunts the living God. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands. They have burned the gods of the nations, for they are not really gods, but only the product of human hands manufactured from wood and stone. That is why the Assyrians could destroy them. Now, O Lord our God, rescue us from his power, so that all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you, Lord, are the only God. Isaiah, son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord God of Israel has said. I have heard your prayer concerning King Sennacherib of Assyria. This is what the Lord says about him. The virgin daughter Zion despises you. She makes fun of you. Daughter Jerusalem shakes her head after you. Whom have you taunted and hurled insults at? At whom have you shouted and looked so arrogantly? At the Holy One of Israel. Through your messengers you have taunted the sovereign master. With my many chariots, I climbed up the high mountains, the slopes of Lebanon. I cut down its tall cedars and its best evergreens. I invaded its most remote regions, its thickest woods. I dug wells and drank water in foreign lands. With the soles of my feet, I dried up all the rivers of Egypt. Certainly, you must have heard. Long ago, I worked it out. In ancient times, I planned it. And now I am bringing it to pass. The plan is this. Fortified cities will crash into heaps of ruins. Their residents are powerless. They are terrified and ashamed. They are short-lived as plants in the field or green vegetation. They are as short-lived as grass on the rooftops when it is scorched by the east wind. I know where you live and everything you do. Because you rage against me and the uproar you create has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle between your lips and I will lead you back the way you came. This will be your confirmation that I have spoken the truth. This year you will eat what grows wild, and next year what grows in its own field from that. But in the third year you will plant seed and harvest crops, and you will plant vines and consume their produce. 
those who remain in Judah will take root in the ground and bear fruit. For a remnant will leave Jerusalem. Survivors will come out of Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of heaven's armies will accomplish this. So this is what the Lord has said about king of the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city, nor will he shoot an arrow here. He will not attack it with its shield-carrying warriors, nor will he build siege works against it. He will go back the way he came. He will not enter this city, says the Lord. I will shield the city and rescue it for the sake of my reputation and because of my promise to David, my servant. Now that very night, the angel of the Lord went out and killed 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When they got up early the next morning, they were all, there were all the corpses. So King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and went on his way. He went home and stayed in Nineveh. One day, as he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons, Adramelech and Sharazir, struck him down with a the sword. They escaped to the land of Ararat. His son, Arahashtat, replaced him as king. And now we turn to hear some of this story as well from Second Chronicles, uh, chapter twenty, or sorry, chapter thirty-two. After these faithful deeds were accomplished, King Sennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah. He besieged the fortified cities, intending to seize them. When Hezekiah saw Sennacherib and had invaded and intended to attack Jerusalem, he consulted with his advisors and military officers about stopping up the springs outside the city, and they supported him. A large number of people gathered together and stopped up the springs and the stream that flowed through the district. They reasoned, why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water? Hezekiah energetically rebuilt every broken wall. He erected towers and outer wall and fortified the terrace of the city of David. He made many weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the army and assembled them in the square at the city gate. He encouraged them saying, be strong and brave. Don't be afraid and don't panic because of the king of Assyria and his huge army that is with him. We have with us one who is stronger than all those who are with him. He has with him, he has with him mere human strength, but the Lord our God is with us to help us and to fight our battles. The army was encouraged by the words of King Hezekiah of Judah. Afterward, King Sennacherib of Assyria, while attacking Lachish with all his military might, sent his messengers to Jerusalem. The message was for King Hezekiah of Judah and all the people of Judah who were in Jerusalem. It read, This is what the king King Sennacherib of Assyria says, Why are you so confident that you remain in Jerusalem while it's under siege? Hezekiah says, The Lord God will rescue us from the power of the king of Assyria, but he is misleading you, and you will die of hunger and thirst. Hezekiah is the one who eliminated the Lord's high places and altars and then told Judah and Jerusalem, At one altar you must worship and offer sacrifices. Are you not aware of what I and my predecessors have done to all the nations of the surrounding lands? Have the gods of the surrounding lands actually been able to rescue their lands from my power? Who among all the gods of these nations whom my predecessors annihilated was able to rescue his people from my power that your God would be able to rescue you from my power? Now don't let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you like this. Don't believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom has been able to rescue his people from my power or the power of my predecessors. So how can your gods rescue you from my power? Sennacherib's servants further insulted the Lord God and his servant Hezekiah. He wrote letters mocking the Lord God of Israel and insulting him with these words, The gods of the surrounding nations could not rescue their people from my power, neither can Hezekiah's God rescue his people from my power. 
They called out loudly in the Judahite dialect to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall, trying to scare them and terrify them so they could seize the city. They talked about the God of Jerusalem as if he were one of the man-made gods of the nations of the earth. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, prayed about this and cried out to heaven. The Lord sent a messenger, and he wiped out all the soldiers, princes, and officers in the army of the king of Assyria. So Sennacherib returned home humiliated. When he entered the temple of his God, some of his own sons struck him down with the sword. The Lord delivered Hezekiah and the residents of Jerusalem from the power of, the, of King Sennacherib of Assyria and from all the other nations. He made them secure on every side. Many were bringing presents to the Lord in Jerusalem and precious gifts to King Hezekiah of Judah. From that time on, he was respected by all the nations. And so we see here in the story, Hezekiah trusting in God and holding on to him, even though everything else seemed to be stacked up against him. And in response to this, in one sense, we could also see now in Psalm 67, a wonderful psalm, uh, a song of praise. For the music director to be accompanied by string instruments, a psalm, a song. May God show us his favor and bless us. May he smile on us. Then those living on earth will know that what you are like. All nations will know how you deliver your people. Let the nations thank you, O God. Let all the nations thank you. Let foreigners rejoice and celebrate. For you execute justice among the nations and govern the people living on earth. Let the nations thank you, O God. Let all the nations thank you. The earth yields its crops. May God, our God, bless us. May God bless us. Then all the ends of the earth will give him the honor he deserves. And we conclude today now uh, by going back to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 where the Apostle Paul continues to address the concerns in the church, as well as uh, bringing to their attention the fact that ultimately a heart that trusts God is a heart of a person that's willing to say that God comes first no matter what. And we see this in the life of the Apostle Paul and as he recommends this understanding of how to serve God with your whole heart to the people in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, at least I am to you, for you are the confirming sign of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who examine me. Do we not have the right to financial support? Do we not have the right to the company of a believing wife like the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I lack the right not to work? Whoever serves in the army at his own expense... Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit? Who tends a flock and does not consume its milk? Am I saying these things only on the basis of common sense, or does the law not say this as well? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. God is not concerned here about oxen, is he? Or is he not surely speaking for our benefit? It was written for us, because the one plowing and threshing ought to, ought to work in hope of enjoying the harvest. If we sowed spiritual blessings among you, is it not too much to reap material blessings from things from you? If others receive this right from you, are we not more deserving? But we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we may not be a hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple eat food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar receive a part of the offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded those who proclaim the gospel to receive their living by the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing these things so that something will be done for me. In fact, 
It would be better for me to die than no one deprive me of my reason for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason for boasting, because I am compelled to do this. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if I do it unwillingly, I am entrusted with a responsibility. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights in the gospel. For since I am free from all, I can make myself a slave to all, in order to gain even more people. To the Jews I became like a Jew to gain the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to gain those under the law. To those free from the law I became like one free from the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under the law of Christ, to gain those free from the law. To the weak I became weak in order to gain the weak. I become all things to all people, so that by all means I may save some. I do all these things because of the gospel, so that I can be a participant in it. Do you not know that all that the runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run to win. Each competitor must exercise self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run uncertainly or box like one who hits only air. Instead, I subdue my body and make it my slave so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And there's some arguments there. Maybe you had a little bit of trouble following. I encourage you to listen to it again if, if that's the case. It, it does take quite a bit here. But Paul's basically saying that his desire and goal of preaching and sharing the good news of Jesus is not to make money. It's not to gain standing and, and reputation in front of other people, but it's so people would come to saving faith in Jesus and experience God's grace and his love. And he's willing to do that no matter what, no matter the cost, because ultimately he knows that his reward is not in this life, it's not in the pay that he would get, but his reward is belonging to God and being a child of God and seeing many others become like him. So may that be my heart's desire, your heart's desire if you're a Christian, and may we understand that this means that we can only do this when we truly trust in God. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996, 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.